0: Welcome to Design Story, where we have conversations with the brightest and boldest thought leaders about design and how it affects our lives and shapes the world all around us. Here's your host, Jenny Herberger.
1: Not only does design have an effect on the world around us, but arguably it's able to change our thoughts and our actions. But also, design has changed within itself. Increasingly, it's about problem solving and design leaders are charged with solving these complex business challenges and making them simple and delightful for the users. The career of a designer is complex in and of itself. How does one become a designer? What influences us to create great design? My guest today is Scott Wadler, the VP of Creative over at Custom Inc. Hey Scott, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great, Jenny, how are you?
1: I am hanging in there, super excited to be talking to you. Uh, Many of our listeners may or may not know this, but you and I have been exceptionally good friends for a pretty long period of time now.
2: Yeah, I would say uh, we might be going on close to 15 years, potentially.
1: Neither of us are old enough for that.
2: No, no. We, We met in fifth grade, right?
1: Yeah, that's it. I like it. Let's go with that one, shall we? Yep. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I'm so glad that you agreed to jump on and and talk to me today. Uh, you have had such an interesting career and such an interesting outlook on design, and you know how it is that design can alter us as people and alter this this world that we live in and it's just accelerated um, you know since fifth grade uh, we have seen a lot of changes in how design is perceived and where the importance of it actually ends up lying so tell me just a little bit you know a, a little bit of a recap of how how the hell did you become a designer
2: well, I was fortunate enough to be one of those kids in elementary school that knew what he wanted to do for the rest of his life. Um, it's often asked, you know, what do you want to do as, when you were a kid compared to what you were an adult? And often those don't line up. Um, and I'm fortunate enough to know I always loved creating, problem solving, making things look beautiful and the effects it had on people. So at an early age, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I had a wonderful program throughout junior high school and high school and then went to the School of Visual Arts in New York City and spent four years there and just continued the education and the love and the passion for problem solving and design.
1: That's great. And that doesn't happen very often, like you're saying, you know, where we as as a youngster, we we know our trajectory. Um, oftentimes it's opportunistic in how it approaches us in life. And it sounds like for you, it was not only, you know, a passion, uh, but also that the opportunities lended themselves to make sure that that trajectory actually happened.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, at, at, you know, at a younger age, obviously, most of the concentration was around drawing and painting and sculpture and photography. And, and those are all wonderful. But uh, I was introduced to what graphic design even was or meant uh, in high school. And uh, I remember just having that aha moment going, this is fantastic. Uh, This is what I love doing. And it just felt really natural to me where I potentially struggled with painting. Um, Doing design work in high school just felt so natural and found myself doing it for countless hours. And when something just clicks like that, you know it's meant to be.
1: Oh, for sure. Now, I know this, but my listeners here may not. You actually started your career over at MTV Networks, straight out of design school, I believe, right?
2: Yeah. In fact, uh, while I was going to uh, School of Visual Arts, my, I love telling the story. My sister knew, My sister's friend knew the art director at MTV. Now, MTV at that point was probably just about a year old. And they introduced me and they asked me if I wanted to be an intern. And at that time, I think I was in my second year of school. And I said, what's an intern? And they told me what it was. And I said, I'm up for that. And uh, that was my first uh, sort of exposure to working in the industry and working for a company. And it was as crazy as you think it would be. Um, I I love also telling the story that I really didn't know what work was like uh, sort of, you know, once you graduate. Uh, graduate school, and I always thought is what you might see in the movies, a um, bunch of beige cubicles. But when I went to MTV to be an intern, um, it was what you think it would be: crazy music, people, you know, on skateboards going down the hall. And my job wow. was to work for, with the on-air art director, and I would run back and forth buying Duran Duran and all different uh, albums that they would use and cut apart and, and use on air. <laughs> that was so nuts. Yeah, it was completely nuts. And not only did it confirm what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, but it also confirmed the type of company and the kind of work I want to be doing.
1: Now you were with them forever, and and really worked your way. Kind of, I mean, would you consider it? Uh, you know, that that normal trajectory that, you know, standard trajectory that a designer takes, you know, where you start as an intern and then you move to this and then you move to this. And before you know it, you're like in charge of everything. You were there 20-something years, weren't you?
2: Yeah, we'll just keep it at 20-something years. (laughs) Um, And, uh, yes, I started as an intern. And when I graduated, I knocked back on the door, but in a different department, Uh, not the on-air department, but the off-air department. Uh, and uh, they asked me; the timing was right. Uh, they asked me to do some freelance for a couple of weeks, and that turned into uh, a 20-plus career there, where I started as a graphic designer and so sort of got promoted through the years as the company grew. I was able to grow, and it was sort of the right time at the right place. It was uh, pretty amazing.
1: Wow, that's that is incredible. Uh, at the end of your uh, tenure over at MTV. Uh, What was what was your position? What were your responsibilities at that point?
2: Yeah, So I was the SVP running the in-house agency uh, where we worked across channels. So not only do we do work for MTV, but we did work for Nickelodeon, Comedy Central and and many of the brands uh, with the biggest focus on digital and off air. So print, merchandising, et cetera.
1: You know, I, I actually had a conversation um, a while back with, well, gosh, I guess it's been a couple of different people that have mentioned some pretty cool stuff about MTV and just the changes in how we perceive music and, and how we, we do TV anymore. And you were right in the crux of it. Like, I had a great conversation with John Couch, who is the creative authority over at Hulu. Um, man, TV has changed. Uh, music has changed. And I remember that first video that came out because I think it was in junior high or high school and my my mom wouldn't let me watch it because she was like, oh, this is, you know, of the devil or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it was just a crazy new way that we had never, you know, we'd never visualized music before. Um, and then and then like you're saying, you know, you've got Nickelodeon and and all of these different things where we only had Saturday morning cartoons. We didn't have an entire channel dedicated to it. So it's it's changed.
2: Oh, yeah, it, it, it's it's changed a lot. But I think part of that change in the, the part that uh, I sort of experienced firsthand was helping shape that change. Um, and that and that showed up in sort of everything we did at the company. Uh, Whether it was what you saw on TV as you're describing or whether it was uh, materials for the marketing team or for ad sales or just an internal communication, everything was looked at sort of with fresh eyes. And we constantly challenged ourselves to reinvent what was traditionally done. And you felt that in the hallways, Uh, whether it was the smallest project or the largest one, it was always about evolution and pushing boundaries and uh, you just felt in the hall, and it was just an atmosphere and an environment to create just really groundbreaking, really fresh work. So I'm often asked, boy, how can you be at a company for so long, especially today, if you're somewhere two to three years, that feels like you've been there forever. And obviously, I was there a lot longer than that, and it was because the company was just continuing to grow, reinventing how people would experience content on air, off air, uh, digitally, at a trade show convention, et cetera, et cetera. And and that just continued to be an amazing challenge and just so creatively fulfilling. Uh, I I would always say that in the morning I might be doing a project for Nickelodeon and in the afternoon I might be doing something for the CEO. And it was that mix of work that always kept it really interesting. I know I got a little off topic and I tend to go on a tangent a little bit, but uh, I thought it was worth sort of expressing some of that as well.
1: No, that's fantastic. And that's why you and I get along so well is because when <laughs> we go off on tangents, God knows where it'll end up. I love it. Exactly. Yep, yep, nope. Easy stuff right there. You know, um, I think one of the really cool things about what you were saying is, is that where we are in uh, the world of design right now, the the industry of design right now, is so much about these conversations surrounding transformation, whether digitally or, you know, in the in the design field specifically. Um, so we talk about transformation. We're talking about, you know, pushing the envelope, breaking the boundaries. We talk about that right now, but you ended up getting to be a part of a company that was doing it back then. I mean, we're talking, I'm sorry to say this, but 30 years ago. And that's, that's amazing, because I, I, I really, my mind is just kind of blown right now, because we talk so much about the transformations that are happening now. But you were involved in the evolutions and the transformations that really were kind of the, the foundation of why and where we are right now.
2: Yeah, so, uh, you know, th- as things continue to evolve and grow, uh, at the same time, there's probably a core of things that uh, potentially have, the, have remained the same. Um, I-, I love what you said earlier about design, and I always saw myself as a problem solver. So really solving problems, whatever those might, might be, um, I-, I think in many ways, yes, things have changed. Yes, the world has changed. Yes, businesses have changed. But in some ways, in its core that maybe hasn't changed as much as one might think over the past 30 years. You're still problem-solving some of the same challenges and opportunities and creating engaging experiences that people share and want to talk about. Um, That, to me, in in many ways feels the same today as it did 30 years ago. And and in some ways, that's really interesting because at the end of the day, people still want to have those amazing experiences. Uh, Yes, how we connect to people is potentially uh, a little different today than it has been. Although again, there's been overlap, but a lot of it is the same and uh, you know, what rocks people's world and what gets them excited about uh, to me is what I still love about what I do.
1: That's yeah. You know, it was really funny as you were, as you were talking, I was thinking back, you know, let's just say 500 years ago and, and, Asking the question to myself was was design necessary uh, five hundred years ago? You know, if there if there wasn't consumption, uh, was design necessary? And then I started thinking, well, of course it was necessary because you know fashion has been around for. Ever uh, and that 's an expression of how it is that we see the world around us or what it is we wish the world was around us. We look at you know um, the incredible buildings and and churches and different things that were erected you know even hundreds and thousands of years ago, and that was all centered around design, so I kind of just went through this weird journey map in my head as you were talking about design and saying you know has design always been relevant and is it becoming increasingly relevant
2: yeah i I definitely again through my eyes as a designer as a creative uh i would like to always feel the answer to that question is yes um uh and and it's it, it is relevant and it's really important and it's sort of everything we look at touch and experience has been touched by the hand of a designer Uh, It just, uh, it just is. Now, I think our experiences uh, are more satisfied when it's done incredibly well. Um, Think about when you enter into a restaurant that's just so beautifully designed and it's such an amazing experience and how that makes you feel and how satisfied you are and how you're going to share that with, with friends and family and think of it on the other end of the spectrum. You you walk into a restaurant and uh, they didn't really... uh, focus and think about the experience or the design as much and and potentially the, the the taste of the meal and think about how that makes you feel and how you wouldn't go back or or recommend that. So design is sort of an everything that we do. Now there was a time where design, um, uh, when you were thinking about purchasing furniture or or objects uh, was often out of touch, especially I remember in my twenties wanting to get some of that beautiful, uh, furniture from Germany or Italy and uh, realized, oh, I can't afford that. And uh, it's in some ways, and, and Target has helped transform this, making design and great design more accessible to people and the importance that it has uh, has been, is, is really great. So design is here to stay. It's never <laughs> gonna go away. And uh, I just, as a designer, I just love sort of looking at the world and, and, and thinking about the impact that has on me and what good design really can do and and how poorly designed things makes me feel the opposite way.
1: Yes. I mean, design is here to stay. And uh, it's, it's interesting to me that it's becoming far less mystic, far less artsy and being more readily identified as a method of problem solving as a method of not only making our lives better, better, but making our experiences more delightful, uh, and, and more joyful because design really, if something is well-designed, regardless of whether it's a campaign or, um, you know, it's a medical instrument or it is a, you know, architectural piece, if, if something is well-designed it can actually evoke feelings from me as a consumer, me as a user of, of those various things.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, I know you and I have talked a lot about design thinking and how, uh, and you had talked about it earlier, how more and more organizations are realizing how important that is for their business. And, and what that means and, and problem solving and sort of how to think about design and, and the impact it has. And there's been a lot of companies that have really taken that to heart and really have sort of restructured their organization and the people, the type of people they've hired um, and, and the impact that's had on their, on their company. It's, uh, it's, really, it's really powerful. And I would say that uh, probably over the last five to ten years, uh, that feels more prominent and, and more of a discussion and a topic. And if you Google it, you'll see much more of that today than you did even just 10 years ago. So it's really great to see that design isn't just thought about as somebody making something quote unquote beautiful, but it's really about solving problems and creating experiences. Uh, But it better look damn nice as well.
1: (laughs) Exactly. That's kind of adding, you know, more than adding lipstick to a pig. It's just, you know, now, now. The, the pigs got to be great too, um, so no, I don't know where that came from. That was really weird, but that's okay. <laughs> I, I,
2: go with it. I like it.
1: I know. I know. Just the, thats what came to my mind, and so out of my mouth, there it is. Uh, you know, when when I look at your career and 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 knowing you, um, not only as a colleague but as a very very dear friend, um, you've got to have some pretty crazy crazy stories about things that have happened in particular over, you know, at MTV and, and what was, it became Viacom, right?
2: Yes. Yeah. Many, many years ago, but yep.
1: Yep. And so, you know, all those different channels over there, but was there, is there like a couple of standout moments that are just like, you're not even going to believe this happened?
2: Well, there's sort of design related stories and there's sort of other stories as you could imagine what took place uh, in the 80s some amazing holiday parties that uh, <laughs> were the hottest ticket in in the city and people used to try and crash and counterfeit um and, and those are really legendary and, and those are probably uh, another conversation <laughs> another time but um yeah i mean as, as far as the stories and how to approach work um again it was really just about always reinventing Um, In some ways, you could say the creative briefs that we had uh, were more blank than they were filled out. And I know that could be very challenging uh, to creatives. You you sort of need to know what a purpose and objectives are and, and what the end goals you're trying to accomplish. But because it was sort of the Wild West back then, we sort of had the freedom and people were just encouraged to do sort of amazing work. So a couple of Projects, a couple of highlights that uh, sort of are still so near and dear to me. When Comedy Central first launched, and by the way, I designed the original Comedy Central logo, and it's has changed since then. But that's something that uh, I'm very proud of. Sure. Um, when Comedy Central first launched, and the marketing and ad sales teams came to the, uh, my department, they said, "Look, we've got so to sort of communicate. We've got this new." new channel, this new brand that, uh, we need to get distribution on. We need, uh, everyone to sort of pick it up, but nobody knows what it is. And at this point we don't have new programming. We're talking about the very, very beginning. You know, there was no South Park. There was no John Stewart, et cetera. So how do you create something in a competitive space that when advertisers and marketing people and, uh, different, uh, cable distributors get it, they sort of go, wow, huh? this is interesting. This is a, a new brand and it's sort of, it's cutting through the color and it's unique. And at the time, uh, most of what was being sent to these folks, was an eight and a half, eleven 11 piece of paper with a headline at the top and a big image and a logo. And people were just inundated with that. And what I did working very closely with a, with a big team is that we came up with this idea of sending out a 3d, uh, bus map like you would get in California and the the glasses look like the front of a bus and you look through the windshield and we created the whole thing in 3d uh, as a way of telling the Comedy Central story that there's this new channel coming out and we're going to have all this amazing programming and here's some of the acquired stuff we have right now and it came at eight and a half by 11 but it opened up to about 30 by 40 so it became this huge poster. And it was the most amazing 3D you've ever seen. It was actually in the Franklin Institute. And it was wow. just such an amazing collaboration of writers and production people and 3D artists and illustrators uh, and, and partnerships with, uh, with our internal clients. It was just pretty amazing. And the, when you got that and opened that up, there's no way people wouldn't want to share that with their coworkers and, and sort of talk about this great new exciting piece that came out and it was super, super successful. Like I said, it uh, was in museums. It won design awards. And that was just one example I'm so proud of. In fact, when the project was over, everybody that worked on it, we, we got together for uh, for dinner and drinks after work and we all brought the press sheets from that and we all signed them. And uh, I still have those today. And it's one of those, one of those uh, projects that's just so special and wonderful. And it's just a great example how you can create something that cuts through the clutter of what everyone else is doing and get something to really stand out. And uh, it was an amazing project.
1: That sounds so cool. Uh, yeah, that's, it is, it is true that, you know, those, those elements that we continue to be able to create in order to do something different and to reinvent, you use that word a little bit earlier. And I, I think that that's such a huge part of our our makeup, our DNA as as human beings is this, this constant drive to reinvent who we are, reinvent the world around us, reinvent how it is that we interact with the world around us. Um, this this process of reinvention is so important to our our just our happiness, our stability, our method of of, of being, you know.
2: Oh, a- absolutely. I mean, you know, today more than ever, uh, things are happening so, so quickly and uh, our hunger for more experiences uh, is just amped up. And, and I would say that MTV was probably uh, partly responsible for that. Uh, if you think about what TV was like uh, 30 years ago and what MTV was doing back then with video and quick cuts and the type of graphics. Uh, so that, that hunger for always wanting the next thing to always reinvent um, I, I just think that is something that uh, everyone sort of wants and do, and that's part of progress, uh, right? Whether it's sure. car, des- whether it's car design, uh, whether it's uh, online experiences, uh, going to a theme park, whatever that is, uh, I think we've always got to evolve and and sort of grow and and sort of try new things. But at the same time, there are some core things mm-hmm. that are sort of tried and true for you know for decades now that that still work. And we, we can't necessarily lose sight of what those are, but the idea of always reinventing is really important. And, you know, working as a, as a creative director at, uh, at different companies, uh, you know, part of what you need to do is have heavy influence with your internal partners, with, uh, the C-suite, uh, team, uh, to talk about how this is going to help drive sales, drive business, have uh, recognition for the company uh, with, with new customers and elevated with existing cu- customers. And that's something that uh, o- always needs to be talked about and always uh, needs to have progress.
1: You know, you talked about the, uh, the kind of those core things that we always go back to. Uh, help me identify a couple of those because, you know, now I'm curious. We spend so much time talking about transformation. We spend so much time talking about design thinking and problem solving and you know, reinventing ourselves as a species. Um, what are some of those core elements when you mention that that come to mind for you in that world of design?
2: Yeah, I mean, that, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, like I, I think I touched upon it earlier. Um, I, I think so much of how people respond to things is, is still very similar mm-hmm. um, to, to where it's been. So w- what's going to cause somebody to really get excited about something, to want to wanna share it, to want to sort of talk about it? Um, that's sort of connecting back to sort of human emotion um, and, and, and creating something that's unique and different. People are jaded. People have seen the same thing a thousand times. So, what can what can be done that creates an experience that they haven't seen a thousand times? They haven't been jaded apart; it hasn't jaded them, and um, and that's you know potentially gets harder and harder because more and more is being done. So, the idea of having to sort of continue to reinvent, to sort of put a new twist on things, um, continues to be a challenge. But I think those challenges is what designers thrive on. Uh, that they love problem solving. Um, and, and And that's one of those things uh, that's just really important. I, I don't know if I'm answering your question directly enough, and I'm probably talking potentially too broad.
1: Uh, no, I love but- it. I love it. you're you're totally you're totally on track with with what I was thinking. And then, you know, as you started to articulate it, it it comes down to me that it it's finally been identified that that designers, really are not designers what they really are is anthropological beings and uh, psychological beings so the fact that we have that human-centered ability to understand why people react the way they do because humans have been reacting the same way for thousands and thousands and thousands of years exactly. and that's where we get to kind of look at that core and go you know what um, we still feel joy we still feel sadness we have things that give us you know emotional connection and we can we can find new things to add to those emotional connections but the connection itself has been at the core of of us, Again, as a species, forever and ever. And as we steer more and more into that and understanding that as as a design, you know, collective, that's where it's it's truly amazing to me.
2: Right. No, I, absolutely. Uh, you know, I've always prided myself on again problem solving and being trend aware, but not being driven by it, and not sort of you know picking the color or font of the month. Mm -hmm. Um, and really just thinking about what is the best solution to what is trying to be solved. So from that, uh, that sort of dictates how you express that. And and sort of the the idea around that is is what has kept it always interesting for me all these years and continue to always be. Uh, And and that's, I think, part of the reason why I've been doing this as long as I haven't feel as passionate about it today as I did when I was still an intern at MTV back in the 80s. Um, It's really about the ability to sort of solve those problems and sort of come up with solutions and figure out how to best express that. Um, And I think some of the best work you could look at from five years ago or if not 20 years ago and go, that's still really relevant. Yes, Mm -hmm. maybe certain aspects look dated or maybe sometimes they don't, but it was still a great solution for what uh, needed to be accomplished.
1: For sure. It makes me think about um, back in in my own career, uh, I had the entire time that I was, you know, in elementary school, I had wanted to be a marine biologist. This was like my heart and soul. I, I grew up in the beaches of Southern California and I wanted to study the ocean and everything inside of the ocean. And, uh, of course, that meant that I wanted to be a, a marine mammal trainer, and mm. it was super interesting because I had an opportunity to go over to Scripps Institute and then work with some of the folks that over at SeaWorld, and this—I swear to God, I'm going to bring this back around so it makes sense—what um, <laughs> <laughs> what was the most interesting thing to me was that those folks that are working with the marine mammals— the the reason that they're hired is not because they are veterinarians, not because they have, you know, studied husbandry or anything else to do with animals. They actually look to hire psych, uh, psychological people as far as their studies are concerned. So psychology majors. And I thought that that was super fascinating because what you were looking for was how someone who could understand behaviors, someone who could understand why a a creature would react in a certain way, not their physio, uh, you know, physiological selves, but their behavioral selves. And as we were talking through this kind of core deal, I just kind of, you know, reminiscently went back to that and thought, huh, that's That's what we do is we study the behavior of human beings and then we invent things to get them to have reactions that will hopefully give us a behavior that we want, i.e. buy this, um, you know, interact with this, etc., did, I, did yeah. I actually bring that all back together
2: when you, I went you off did, on
1: Dolphin d- Land?
2: <laughs> you did, and I, and I would say beautifully and brilliantly, um, uh, and that's that, that's uh, I love that because one of the things I always thought schools should be teaching more of, and uh, I don't think they are, regardless of if you're a designer what profession you in are in, is around uh, you know human nature and psychology because that plays such an important role of of how you interact, sort of being able to read somebody, uh, read a room. Um, and those skills often aren't taught in school. Uh, they're often sort of learned on the job, or maybe you uh, sort of pick up other ways of uh, finding out that information. But that is just such a critical part of, of, of what we do. And I wish schools would sort of understand that more and, and make that just a core part of uh, an education for anybody.
1: For sure. And that's, I think, one of those reasons that we're hearing more and more uh, this term, you know, human-centered design. Um, right. Design was never not human-centered, honestly. It's just that, once again, we have uh, become more sophisticated in our understanding of the power that it actually does have. And so, you know, we've kind of coined this idea of being human-centered and that's to me the thing that I think began to fascinate me more and more about design because Scott's like you said a little bit earlier, you know, it starts off being about drawing or or illustrations or you know just things that are beautifully put together and from there it 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 becomes so much more and the more we understand what it is that it's becoming, the more we're able to share that with the world and then and truly um, build and create and develop things that are useful and delightful.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, like you said, uh, so much really hasn't necessarily changed. It's maybe how we express it or talk about it, but it's great that it is being talked about and the importance of that Uh, because I think that just amps up how people think about things and are really thinking about who the user is, Um, not necessarily about uh, who they are, but sort of who who is the user, what what do we want them to engage with, what do we want their response to be, and thinking about those things really allows you to come up with the best solutions um, as well. But look, there's never a time, at least for me and I'm sure for most, that you're not thinking about yourself and how you are experiencing it and you, you often hear that with uh, rock bands right you'll often hear rock bands saying like we love what we do and we hope everyone else does because they, they have to be satisfied first before they sort of put it out there and if they love it they're hoping their fans love it and i think that is very true for design and, and what designers do uh you know you've got to put something out that you that you love that you're passionate about that you know is an extension of who you are, and if you do that and you check those boxes, uh, the, the intention, the hope is that other people will experience and feel it the same way, and, and that often is the case.
1: That's a great connection because you're right. Every time. I go to any kind of a concert at all, whether big or small, that those are the words that come out of the artist's mouth in one form or another at one point or another inside of that, you know, performance. And, and that is that idea of, you know, this, this song is really near and dear to me, this this uh these lyrics i wrote them about my wife you know or about a past experience and i hope you love it as much as i love it so you hear right. that every single time and how cool it is that you just kind of emphasize that we as design professionals who feel you know charged with some pretty big responsibility as to what we put out to the world that we really kind of feel that same way you know we want it to we want it to touch you the same way it touched me. That it came from my heart. Now I want it to go to your heart.
2: Yeah. No. Very well said. And and really, what we're doing is, you know, we're creating emotions in people, right? Uh, whether we are trying to motivate them, uh, whatever that, whatever emotion we're trying to uh, convey or uh, stimulate, uh, that's just really important. Uh, how they sort of perceive the work that's in front of them, how they get excited about it. you hear people so are connected and love certain brands. and And when you ask why, it's because they get me, right? They speak my language. They know who I'm all about. And that's just that's just really important to sort of know who you, who your audience is and, and and the type of work that you need to do. And you know, just getting back to the 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 music and the rock star uh, thing that that, uh, you know, I, I love the similarities and and that it has to sort of the design world. Uh, you know, sort of the art, so to speak. There's there's a lot in common there. Whether it's you know showing up as a design or whether it's someone singing a song, it's just sort of that those emotional connections.
1: Well, and the authenticity that goes with that very statement that we were we were just discussing, which you brought up, my friend. Um, and I it, it reminds me this summer I was fortunate enough to go to the gorge in Washington state, which is of course where I live at least half of the year. And the Gorge is one of the prettiest venues you've ever seen in your life because uh, you're sitting on a a hillside, a, a cliff, And you're looking out over the Columbia River and the sun is setting behind the stage. And it just even describing it, it just gives me chills because (laughs) it is such a beautiful, beautiful experience. And I got to see Jack Johnson there and he's one of my favorites. And that's because I spend the rest of my time living in Hawaii. Isn't Jack just I love Jack. Jack
2: is so cool. puts you in an awesome mood.
1: He does. And he's so authentic. And while, you know, it, at some point during the, the concert, you know, he kind of stops what he's doing and he pulls out his guitar and he just kind of starts playing on it. And this is where, what i had said earlier comes into play is he, it was like his 20th wedding anniversary or something. And he, he said that right before he started playing, you know, just, you know, this I wrote this song about my wife 20 years ago and it's still relevant. And I, I still love her. And every time I play this song, I, I feel so blessed that she's in my life. And because of the authenticity behind him telling me that it wasn't just me listening to a recording of that song and going, dude, that's a cool song. But because he drew me in with with that authenticity, it made that song even more poignant to me. It made me connect even more. And I think that that's the cool thing that brands are working really hard to do now, is to make those authentic connections so that they're they're true and they're real. And yeah, it's probably going to sell me a few more albums, but I meant it when I said it
2: yeah things have to be authentic i mean you know people are and for a long time now are aware when you're trying to sell them something and they're just not buying it and they don't believe in those brands and brands really need to care um you know some of the best brands out there care not just about what they're trying to sell you but they care about the impact they have on society the impact they have on the world and and how they sort of show up every day and uh, you know that. Fortunately, that's more and more important to people than ever before. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, as a designer, you have to you know think about those things because you can't be putting out something that just isn't relatable or believable. So you have to be putting things out that just are authentic because people could see through that really, really quickly and really easily.
1: Yeah, and that that is um that is a part of the. I think the generation that we live in right now from a societal standpoint, that that being real, um, being authentic is is super important. And you're right. People do see through it. And uh, I think more and more brands are doing it. I'd like to see even more brands beyond that, because I think, you know, also in a capitalistic society, I think we've got some great responsibility as well. It's like, cool. okay, buy my shit. I get it. That's awesome. At the same right. time, I think that it, we've got to make sure that the stuff that we're putting out there um, is good for the world um is good for humanity. So seeing those two come together uh, is 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 quite interesting.
2: yeah, and, and to your point, there's some companies that do that really, really well and and others that uh, it's really not part of their DNA or part of the mission of of who they are. For sure. But that, that influences who you know you engage with and and the brands you're sort of loyal to and, and the reasons why. Uh that, that definitely plays a part of it. And that's about again how to connect with with customers, consumers, sort of in, in different ways. I
1: love it. Scott, you are always so much fun to talk to, and um, I, I treasure our friendship. I am enamored by the awesome career that you have had and will continue to have. So I just want to thank you so much for being on the show today and and talking about design and authenticity and how it makes us feel.
2: Yeah, well, Jenny, thank you so much for the invitation. Uh, when you reached out to me, it was a yes within a Half a second, if not less, and uh, always enjoy uh, chatting with you and uh, talking about the things that are just so important and near and dear in our hearts. And and that's why you know we've been friends for so long and will continue to be because we just share you know so many common things that are important to us. So thank you again.
1: Absolutely. Today I had the delightful opportunity to talk with Scott Wadler, VP of Creative over at Custom Inc. Thank you, everybody. Have a great afternoon.
0: That wraps up another episode of Design Story. If you enjoyed today's episode, all we ask in return is that you tell a friend or loved one about what we're doing here on this podcast. A share on social media goes a long way and a review on iTunes goes an even longer way. So please don't hesitate to jump in and help us spread the love. Be the first to hear the next episode by pulling out your phone right now and subscribing to Design Story on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Design Story is produced by me, Adam Fry Pierce, and hosted by Jenny Herberger. You can find both of us on Twitter or follow the show at Design Story Pod. Thanks for tuning in.